Hey listeners, welcome to Crafty, the show about amazing people and their craft. On today's show, we are talking with... We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crafty. Greetings everyone, my name is Nick Dole of the Crafty Podcast, and I am here with three people of Penelope, uh, podcast and production. Would you mind uh, all introducing yourselves and uh, what you do specifically with Penelope? Or Penelope. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Panoply, actually. Panoply. There we go. That's But <laughs> I think our mascot or our motto should perhaps be Penelope the Podcast. I don't know exactly how we would visually represent that. Anyway, my name's Sam. I have terrible ideas. Um, I am a, a host and managing producer at Panoply. I'm the host of a show called Family Ghosts, which is a narrative uh, documentary-style storytelling series about family secrets and the effects that they have on our lives. And I also produce, alongside Lindsay Cradwell, who you'll meet in a moment, a show called Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn, which is a show that treats money as a an emotional issue and cultural issue rather than a practical one. And I'm also the producer of You Must Remember This, which is along with Jacob Smith, another producer here at Panoply. And that is a show about American history as represented in film, um, done in the style of uh, very rich, sound rich, long form uh, narrative essays. Cool. All right. I guess I'll go next unless... AC wants to jump in. Um, my name is Lindsay Cradwell. I'm an assistant producer at Panoply, and I work on two shows right now. Um, I previously was a producer for a show called YOY, which was about technology and dating, and that was hosted by Andrea Salenzi. And I currently work on When Megan Met Harry, which if you're not aware of who those two people are, I don't know where you've been for the past couple months, but um, <laughs> it's a show about the royal wedding, um, Meghan being Meghan Markle and Harry being Prince Harry. Um, wow. <clears throat> and I also produce Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn with Sam. And yeah, he's already giving you the rundown on that. Nice. And uh, uh, I'm AC Valdez. Uh, my current show that I'm mostly preoccupied with is called Side Hustle School with Chris Gillibo. It's about uh, how to make more money by building yourself your own business, your own kind of like side hustle, uh, how to do that effectively, how to do it while having fun, uh, and how to do it while having money. Uh, <laughs> some other past credits include a uh, couple of shows called The Weeds and The Ezra Klein Show uh, that we produced in partnership with Vox.com, as well as uh, our national conversation about conversations about race. Um, so, yeah. Wow. That's a hard-hitting set of things to say. <laughs> cool. I, I might actually need your help because, like, literally what I'm doing right here is side hustle. I work at a car dealership full-time. Cool. Okay, cool. It can be. I, I have, well. We have to ask you then the radio nerd question, which is, have you ever listened to the This American Life episode, 120, I think it's 129 cars or 127 cars, um, but it's a whole it's a whole show that takes place at a car dealership. That, that doesn't sound familiar. I I mean, it, it, I don't know what it would be like to listen to if you actually work at a car dealership, but uh, if you are a nerd who is curious about things, uh, it, it is a very fascinating peek into what I imagine it's like to work at a car dealership. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you a few things about it if you're curious while we're here. But by the same token, I'm also a military police officer in the in the National Guard. So people ask me all the time, have you seen Super Troopers? I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, have you? <laughs> I have not seen Super Troopers, and I go out of my way to make sure I don't, just because everyone wants me to. <laughs> I understand there's a second one coming. I'm like, again... The audience can't see my face, but hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. But um, <clears throat> Brian, Brian Cox's finest work, hot oh, yeah. take. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I do, however, love the movie Hot Fuzz. If I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. like a comical cop movie, I'll watch that one. Yeah. But Dick, any- can I say something? Can I say something? Because I feel bad in in my. Uh, how, how edited is is this show after the fact? Or are we just... Is it already too late? I just want to say, if it is possible, uh, that you must remember this is written and hosted by um, Karina Longworth. It's it's very much her show. I have the privilege, and Jacob has the privilege, of working on it uh, in an editorial capacity. But it is very much her brainchild. I didn't want to make it sound like we were taking too much credit for her work. Oh, okay. Well, um... Try to think of a way to incorporate that in there. Um, Even if it just drops in there, right where it is, and, and lives there, I will, I will accept the, uh, I will accept the, the criticism for failing to say that at the top. Well, hey, I mean, there, it's never too late to put credit where credit is due, so we can keep that one in. Okay. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, I'm sure he'll probably just take out the words. Um, we can edit it out, or how to what extent is it edited? We'll find a way. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, maybe I'll ask you again later on. But anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, the finished products are actually pretty impressive. Um, getting off track just a little bit. Like, I remember the interview with Michael Dante DiMartino, and um, I remember what it sounded like when I was talking to him. And then when I went and looked for the show on on the interwebs, and uh, I found the interview, it, it had like theme music and there was an intro of me saying something with a super radio voice I'm like wow <clears throat> this is pretty neat <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. that's uh well that i mean that's very much that's very much what all three of us do is uh people we are handed raggedy sessions of of jagged sharp audio and we do our best to craft it into cool sounding beautiful radio yeah, it's cool. Like it's 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 honestly fascinating cuz you remember how the actual production went and then the finished product was especially done by someone else. It's like, well, wow. <laughs> That's me, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a version of you. Uh My sessions are never raggedy, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I I Thanks. I didn't mean to suggest that that AC's sessions are <laughs> anything but polished gems. Ah, yes. So, starting with Sam, first question is, uh, as of one of the people setting up the future of Panoply shows, what are some things that you are looking for in a new show? Well, uh, I should say that this is just, just my own opinion. Um, the, the decisions are made by a group of people. Um, but the main thing that I would say I'm looking for is a creator behind the show who is uniquely passionate about something that doesn't get talked about as much as it should. 
Um, I tend to feel very much like you, there's a lot of things that podcast production allows you to do technically that can make things sound really, really cool. You can add music that makes things sound really cool. You can record people's voices with very powerful, delicious sounding microphones that, that make them sound even more authoritative than they already are. And you can have producers who help structure things in ways that are most interesting. But the thing that the podcast production house cannot do is generate passion, commitment, and vision on the part of the host or hosts of the show. Um, and that, like, that's, the, that's the one thing that a, not the one thing, but a key thing that a podcast network like Panoply can't do. Um, so we are very fortunate to have a lot of people in-house at Panoply who bring that to the table in their hosting work. And that's one of the many things that I think makes Panoply stand out. But in terms of pitches that come in from outside people, I would say that's the principal thing that I'm looking for. And in my opinion, um, everything else is is less less important than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't help but assume that a lot of the people who listen to this show might consider starting their own podcast. No, I mean, hearing things like that, hearing all of you today is going to be fantastic because of things like that. So thank you. Sure. They, all of the people listening who have a podcast they want to start should do that. Uh, I'm only sitting in this chair because I did that um, like nine years ago. And uh, that is how I learned to be first bad and then hopefully somewhat good at making podcasts. So I, I really don't think there's any substitute for doing that. All the technical stuff you can learn, um, all of the you know, journalistic ethics and everything else, story craft that goes along with it, you can learn, but um, you cannot, nobody is going to teach you to set aside the time to sit down behind a microphone and record. Yeah, no, that is very hard. And <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's super hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, no, seriously, it is. It's like, um, well, I mean, for me, I do, I do voiceovers. Um, um, that's my side hustle, which uh, AC, that means you're next. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, yeah, it's literally the same concept, except you're, you're trying to self-direct a script that makes it sound as, uh, well, as commercially or whatever it is supposed to be as humanly possible without anybody telling you how it's supposed to sound. So yeah, kind of the same thing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if I think, you know, the ability to to bring a certain amount of drive and and belief in the idea that what you're talking about is important and vital for people to hear, um, that that can only come that can only come from you. No podcast network can can give you that. They can help you build it into something even better, but um, uh, you have to bring the spark for us to turn it into a a wildfire. That's kind yeah. of like what my boss told me when I when I applied to be uh, in the sales department. <laughs> Um, he was like, you have a college degree? I'm like, no. <laughs> have you ever worked sales before? No. But he liked the way that I was saying no. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you what. We can put the car in you, <laughs> but you can't buy that personality. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> that's. I actually think that's a very apt comparison. <laughs> I know, it's yeah. weird, right? I, uh, I think back to... Ezra Klein, uh, who I worked with for a little while, um, did an interview. I can't remember with who, but at one point 
you know, he's, he started a whole media company himself. And I think his guiding principle when he was hiring people was like, don't ever hire anybody who wouldn't just do this job for free because they're nuts about it. Um, and it's weird because I feel like there's a lot of parallels in like these early business days of podcasting that are very parallel to uh, the early days of blogging where it's just kind of like if you would go home and write for two hours uh, or you would go to a studio and record for two hours and like do that because you love it, um, you probably should look for a way to get paid for it, which is actually like really closely related to the whole side hustle <laughs> philosophy that Chris espouses, um, which is kind of an amazing like parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add also, I guess, you know, as a, slightly lower tier concern is, is this an idea that works best in sound? Um, because if it's not an idea that works best in sound, then it's pretty likely, you know, it, it's not something that people are really, really going to want to listen to. So yeah. if it's something that, um, that it, the best possible version of it is presented by recording sound versus say recording video, um, that's, that's a pretty important consideration as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I think I lost what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's okay, because uh, AC is next. And uh, your question is, since the show Side Hustle is a daily podcast, does that make it difficult to produce? Um, Not really, because we're not news-driven in, in the way that, say, uh, Mike Pesca's fabulous program, The Gist, is, or uh, The Daily, or Today Explained, or anything like that. Um, what I do with Chris, really, is we try to work out just a bit ahead. Um, usually, it's not more than a week, but it's uh, kind of a thing where... When you're setting up a podcast for daily distribution, you really want to build yourself uh, what you would call a shelf. Um, so that way, you know, if I get hit by a truck or Chris gets sick or anything else, um, you really just kind of build in time to just have some peace of mind. Um, otherwise, you'd be just running yourself ragged. Um so, I mean, it doesn't make it super hard to produce, and I do also have the help of a very capable producer named Sarah Barrett who handles uh, kind of the uh, – a, a good number of the daily uh, weekday shows because some of the production on the weekend stuff can get a little bit trickier. It involves more elements like listener voicemails or me jumping into a studio and talking with Chris for a little while. Um, so – that makes it significantly easier. And it's all about really just kind of designing that workflow from the outset, figuring out how that's going to work like before you launch and then making sure that that, uh, that shelf is maintained, that you can have that peace of mind. Um, and also so that you can actually kind of like produce something that you're proud of and listen back to it in advance because you can catch so many things on a second listen that you really would never be able to do just off the spur of the moment when you were hustling on a daily grind. And I have worked on some like newsy daily shows where, um, you know, it's a thrill and it's uh, a little bit scary and you don't necessarily have that deep shelf to draw from, but it, uh, it, it's a little bit of a relief to go from radio to podcasting where you don't have to do that every day. 
because I was I always wondered the difference between uh, podcast creation and being like a radio disc jockey. Uh, well, I've never been a DJ myself. I've worked in um, public media for a long time uh, before coming to Panoply for about a decade. And I think Sam has kind of a similar amount of experience doing the same kind of thing. Um, I think there are a lot of important differences between radio and podcasts that I don't think people really necessarily think out that um, one, one of them, I guess, chiefly being that when you're looking for a podcast, you're looking for that specific podcast. You're, I feel like it's rare that people are really just kind of browsing and just checking out new stuff so much as just picking the thing that their friend told them was so cool and they needed to listen to or that might help them or they might be entertained by um, as opposed to you get in the car, you flip on the radio and you're like choosing between like whatever preset stations are there or maybe if you have satellite like your favorite XM stations or something like that. But um, that selection, uh, that ability to select a la Netflix is um, a really key distinction and it's really a key motivation for us as people who make things uh, when we're considering actually what to make. I mean, Sam, I think you'd probably agree because you do do some of that uh, that kind of evaluating when we're considering new stuff. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And uh, yeah, as, as, as AC mentioned, I, I too worked in, in public radio for a time, although I don't have as much experience in it as AC does. Um, but I think a huge difference in producing for public radio versus producing for a podcast is that, and this, this is just my opinion, but I, I think people tend to view um, podcasts as an immersive experience and people tend to view the radio as um, more of a, a, an information delivery system. And those are big generalizations for sure. But we were actually just talking about this in a meeting this morning here. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that podcasts are, are companionship first and everything else second. I think people listen to podcasts, particularly nowadays, the way they used to listen to music. Um, when you hear people talk about their favorite podcast, it's they use the same kinds of language that they use when they describe their favorite band. Um, and they excuse the shortcomings of their favorite podcast in the same way they excuse the shortcomings of their favorite band because there's there's something about the the companionship benefit that they get from that show that transcends all of the other maybe technical or uh, expertise or factual concerns that you might have around a radio show. If you turned on a radio show and the microphones didn't sound that good or the host kind of went on and on for a long time or there wasn't a whole lot of diversity amongst the guests or the levels were bad, um, you would never listen to that radio show again. But those are all things that are routinely excused uh, in some of the most popular podcasts because people um, people really view these things as as key to their identity. So that's a cool and very weird challenge to think about when you're deciding what kind of shows you should make, especially with someone else's money. <laughs> and I will also say I have been a radio DJ in college, mind you, not actually professionally. I was never paid to do it, but I, it was, you know, it was a fascinating experience and it was, I found it very 
similar, but also very different. Like you're still sort of sitting behind a board, but everything is going out live. And that was an interesting challenge because I don't typically like to just speak off the cuff. And that's what radio DJs have to do. Um, but it also had a lot of power in it that you could sort of tell your story for that day through the songs that you choose. And it was really fascinating to get feedback directly. So you would play a song and then you'd get a phone call from a listener saying like, oh my God, thank you for playing that song. This is my experience with it. And so I really liked that sort of immediate feedback and that immediate uh, connection with people. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very different way of sort of reaching people than what I'm doing now in podcasting. And I would be interested to know, uh, Lindsay, if I remember correctly, at a previous job, you had to lobby them really hard to start a podcast that, that you then hosted, right? Um, yeah. And, and this might actually segue into your question for me. Oh, oh. yeah. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually, how did you transition from being a magazine editor or radio DJ? into producing podcasts. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, as Sam mentioned, I came to Panoply as a part-time podcast producer, mostly freelance journalist. And before that, I was a full-time magazine editor. Um, I will say, though, I don't really feel like I ever transitioned from being one thing to another. I feel like audio production was always sort of inside of me, even though I was producing actual print magazine stories, um, moving text around on a page, printing it out, um, and then eventually it would become a magazine. So that was also inside of me, but I think that I always wanted to get back to audio. I studied it in college a little bit. I always worked in college radio. I interned at a radio station like 11 years ago um, as a reporter, and I always really loved it. Um, and I just hadn't found a way to get into it yet. Um, I was constantly lobbying the editor-in-chief at the magazine I worked at to let me start a podcast there. And finally, the opportunity arose with Panoply when Panoply was first getting started. Um, before it even had a name, we had a meeting with some of the, the people involved, and they kindly let us start a podcast at Popular Science where I previously worked and I got to co-host that. And so that sort of, I guess, ignited in me the fact that I wanted to do this more. I didn't want it to be the thing I do at night after I get home from work um, because I had a full-time job producing a magazine. And um, it sort of led me to quit my job and work as a freelancer and try to move more towards uh, podcasts and audio production. Yeah, isn't that the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, and somehow it worked. I, I still don't know how. <laughs> but I, here I, we are. I would give anything to be able to be behind a microphone for a complete living. That'd be fantastic. I did my taxes today. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I was, uh, yeah, and I was looking at, uh, you know, the, all the money that comes in from doing salesy things and other things like that. I'm just like, oh, man. And what sucks is like, I'm I'm required to make that kind of money just to, you know, goodbye so uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of it just kind of sucks like today was sobering to see just how far away it is to actually be able to do this full-time yeah but yeah. you know i don't know sometimes sometimes you can fall into it if you try hard enough <laughs> i guess that's not falling into <laughs> it if you're trying um you can pur purposely fall into the hole um throw myself but down it, really hard 
Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it it kept nagging away at me and I kept being reminded about how much I loved it and how much I wanted that to be what I focused on. Yeah, yeah. I just, how did you direct your focus? Like, how did you go about, (laughs) I I can't help but be curious. I mean, with anything that's starting out, it's not like, you know, I'm thinking about how YouTube channels get started. And typically it starts with a really dumb video that everyone can't help but, you know, stumble across and watch. And there you go. That was their breakthrough. But when it comes to podcasting, I can't imagine how breakthroughs like that, just how they happen. I I don't know. I'm I'm relatively new to podcasting. I never listened to them, uh, regretfully, regretfully, up until like, you know, a month or two ago. And now I I host one. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like you're on a track. But I, I don't know. I don't know how anything really blows up. It's it's sort of a alchemy that we are all trying to figure out and trying to understand a little bit better um, because you can sort of on our end make something that you're proud of and that you think is beneficial and smart, but it's hard to know how people re- will receive it and how people will find it. Um, and that's a big difficulty is like, you know, you can put your heart and soul into something, but if no one sees it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's the hard part. Always the hardest part is marketing. But I will say, I think I think one of the things that's really valuable about starting your own show, as you've done, is that even if you're not making money from it right now, you are you're building instincts and taste in a way that will save you so much time later on. If you do decide to continue with it and you do find yourself uh, in a professional situation, there are so many things that come up on a day to day basis in situations like that where there's no time for somebody to pause and show you how to do something or stop and ask what your approach is going to be. They just kind of rely on you to get the interview booked or get the interview cut down or get the essay scored with music because they're on a deadline and it's somebody else's money and things need to get finished. And if you have banked hours and hours and hours of time where you've had to figure that out on your own with no motivation other than your own desire to get it absolutely right, you will be well prepared when that moment arrives. And that's another thing that there, there really isn't any substitute for. Yeah. Huh. That makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the other big part of breaking through, I think, and like this is something I've seen with a lot of other indie producers that I've met and have gone on to some huge success is like you really just kind of also need to work at finding your community and you know cross promoting yourself with them doing other favors for other people uh you know having them do favors for you really kind of working up that uh network of support I mean it's nice to be part of a company that affords us the chance to do that um but again, Sam and I especially have had like a lot of background in doing that professionally elsewhere. Uh, but it's very, very doable if you set your mind to it and try to just be forthright and friendly. It's one thing that I think the the audio community really has going for it is that like so many people will just be willing to talk to you if you just hit them up um, or make connections or make introductions. It's actually very refreshing as opposed to like uh, highly commercialized, very static stuff like TV. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know. Like it's a lot easier for me to just call someone up and get a drink with them here or in New York than than I would have ever imagined. 
Well, and Lindsay and AC, I don't tell me if you guys agree, but I feel like in audio there's an extraordinarily high degree of imposter syndrome. I think everybody on some level feels a little bit, even if you've worked as hard as all four of us have to be sitting in front of these microphones tonight. Um, there's, it's it's just remarkable to me how many people how how shared the thread is of. I, I can't believe they're letting me do this. I like I, I feel that way certainly. Every time I sit down to record narration for Family Ghosts, I think I can't believe they're letting me do this again. Um, I better do the absolute best that I that I can. And that uh, before I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be a an actor. Sorry, before I wanted to be uh, a <laughs> podcast host and producer, I wanted to be an actor. Um, and there is no imposter syndrome in the theater community, <laughs> in the acting community. Everybody feels either like, damn right, they are famous and have done really well, or it is a crime against humanity that they have not become uh, super well-known and famous yet. Um, and you just don't run across that in audio, I think because it requires so many long after work, lonely uh, hours in the dark after everybody else has gone home. I'm glad uh, someone else gets it. <laughs> Whiskey helps. Yes, that's the other key. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I drink AC, AC and I had... Uh, Not that we've ever done that. <laughs> no, oh, well, I won't tell the story I was about to tell. <laughs> <laughs> No, go go for it, Sam. There's oh, I, I I was there's, just there's, there's, I have absolute pride in that there that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just remembering a an evening in the early days of Panoply when AC and I found ourselves in the office very late at night uh, editing various shows, um, and I had been watching a certain amount of the television show Mad Men at the time, and thought it was really cool that uh, Don Draper always kept a bottle of Canadian Club at his desk when he needed to find inspiration. So I had, unbeknownst to AC, started doing that. And I kind of like looked around and everybody else had left. And I was like, AC, do you want some podcast juice? <laughs> and we opened up some Canadian club and we, we had a little conversation, a little check-in about where we were. And it, it was really, I felt at least, invigorating to get to share in this after-hours creative moment that we had worked so hard to find ourselves in to literally toast that and then to return to the work with that shared inspiration and a moderately sized buzz. <laughs> there you go. We had a brom. <laughs> AC, did you say bromant? I did. <laughs> I missed that. All right, I just I'm wanted not to highlight apologize that. apologize <laughs> for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, and I... unfortunately, this isn't vodka water that i'm drinking unfortunately sorry <laughs> says you that's i mean i guess we'll just have to take you at your word oh you got me oh you got me <laughs> so anyway it looks like a next up is a back to sam and a question two for you is is there any show on the horizon for panoply that you can uh, that you can tell us about legally <laughs> I don't think there is actually. <laughs> sorry to, <laughs> sorry to be a bummer. I mean, I can say well, I can say that you everybody should check out the most recent show that we released, which is called Empire on Blood. Uh, as of this morning, was I believe number two on the Apple Podcast charts. It was the product of an extraordinary amount of work by 
its host, Steve Fishman, who brought the show to us in a pitch. Um, but Mia Lobel, who's another one of our managing producers, and Julia Barton, who's an editor who we work with regularly, um, they have both worked together on another of our very successful shows, Revisionist History, which is hosted by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but Mia and Julia and uh, later in the game, Jacob Smith, who I was mentioning earlier is a partner in crime of mine on You Must Remember This um, and on Family Ghosts, actually. Um, they spent like a year working on this show. It was seven years of tape that Steve had gathered an incredibly complex story about the criminal justice system and the drug trade in the Bronx and um, the uh, and betrayal amongst two people who loved each other for a long time and then totally sold each other out and then found themselves reconnected in prison. It, it's just an absolutely wild, wild story. Um, so I would highly recommend people listen to that. I think, you know, that's uh, the latest in our nonstop string of incredibly strong offerings. Um, Lindsay and I, I'll go ahead and shout us out, are working on the third season of a show called Bad With Money that I mentioned earlier um, that uh, we're really, really excited about. That'll be out next week. Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but April 11th, that'll be when that is released. Um, and uh, we can also announce that Revisionist History will be back for a third season. We don't have a release date on that yet, but that's of course, been a huge show for us that we're really, really proud to have in our in our arsenal. Um, so, I guess I guess to, that that's a fair answer to the question, right? I, I I can't really tell you about anything else, but there's also a lot of other incredibly exciting stuff in the pipeline. Um, it's going to be a really great year for yeah. Panoply. No, I'm pleased with that answer because uh, I was halfway expecting you to say, um, <clears throat> "Well, it's called this. It's going to be about this." <laughs> and, and you know, people that mentioned that his own show is coming back for a second season too thank you ac thank you yes my my show family ghost <laughs> is is coming back for a second season this fall it'll come out on um october 10th we just announced um then our first season we did six episodes and our second season we're doing 12 um and that's not terrifying at all <laughs> i mean hey, that that perfectly answers the question a new season counts new season counts. yes Yes. So anyway, the next one is actually for AC. This is slightly out of order, but I kind of want to know this one a little bit more than the other. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> did you come to Panoply with the vision of creating a more serious or slash political podcast? Um, I came to Panoply because I had uh, an offer from our then uh, managing producer, Laura Mayer, uh, to work on our national conversation about conversations about race. Um, and it was a project I really, really, really loved and was very passionate about. I had just come from working on a show at NPR called Latino USA. Um, but one reason I decided I really wanted to try my hand at, um, uh, one reason I decided I really wanted to try my hand at podcasting instead of radio was it was just like such a burgeoning moment and everything seemed so blown wide open i think this was like shoot maybe it was it was 2016 it was 2016 um and serial had recently kind of concluded its first season um i have a lot of serious political type issues at the core of me because i am you know a journalist by training um 
but I also realized the need to move into podcasting for my own career's sake. And also because, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of tired of taking myself so seriously. Um, and I wonder if there aren't ways to do things that are a of service to people, but also be really, really interesting and fascinating and shocking and, uh, fun for them to hear. Um, and I think things have kind of borne out like, uh, the weeds in the Ezra Klein show did quite well for us. Um, so like, it's not, uh, it's not my, it wasn't my purpose in coming to Panoply, but it's definitely a skill set I possess. Um, and so I'm happy to exploit it. And that said, like, I'm also working on, uh, this app for our show for, well, the show for our app, uh, called Pinna. Uh, and that show is called good sport. Uh, let me say that without my voice cracking. That show is called Good Sport. Uh, it's about the lives of athletes as children. Um, Pinna is a is an app for children, uh, ages four to twelve, and uh, I get to have so much fun with that show because, like, I get to actually make, like, write, interview, and like, kind of design Sonic cartoons. I never thought I'd get the chance to do something like that. It's ultra cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I would actually, it sounds like I'd love to listen to your shows. Because I, I do like, if I'm going to listen to something for a long time, like I, I'm not I'm not seeking to be entertained. I don't, I don't care about being entertained. I care about, tell me something important. Get me angry. <laughs> or get, get me passionate about something. Let's go. This is good show development intel, Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of the cool part about like, all the people who – you'd be surprised, like, the things that come up. I mean, you probably wouldn't be surprised. You do this for a living. Um, but you know, I was talking to a magician, and uh, we ended up talking about, like, the, the math, the, the formula and the algorithm behind creating entertainment. And it's like a magic trick is broken down into into either one of seven core tricks or, you know, comedy has this particular formula with with remaining funny core jokes that always work versus uh, being flexible with the times. But there's always a specific formula. And um, you got to, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it just turned into ultimately a lot more engaging than entertaining. Like I, I'd, I'd turn up the volume if I were listening to this as a as a listener. Like, wait, what? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I that's that's the other thing when people like talk to me about like what what might or might not be missing in what they're making. Uh, I always ask them like what is surprising about what they've had to say or who they're interviewing. I think that's really really key. Like if you can't surprise somebody with the story, then you know why why tell it unless it's going to like really otherwise benefit the listener oh, yeah. like that surprise is just so so important yeah and mind you i mean when i listen to a podcast because now i do listen to them quite quite frequently it's always before work <laughs> so in essence it the, the podcast and its material has to have a way of waking me up with uh you know rousing my attention you know because the coffee hasn't been drank yet or drunk, however you want to say it. it's coming it's it's at work for free it's gonna be there but work is 35 minutes away so i gotta wake up you know using other means <laughs> so uh, attention and engagement 
So thank you, AC. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hello. With the show, uh, When Megan Met Harry, how do you guys keep up to date on what's going on with Megan and Harry? Well, luckily, they are a very well-covered couple of people. Um, so that helps a lot. Um, basically, I am not in London on the ground reporting on their whereabouts. So I rely on other news sources. Um, there's a lot of very uh, thorough coverage done by the, the magazines and newspapers there. So the Daily Mail, of course, is always reporting on them. People magazine has a whole royal section. Um, Vanity Fair is always talking about them. So I do a lot of sort of scanning the media. Um, but also there are a lot of very vibrant Facebook groups that I have become a member of since starting working on the show. And um, a lot of people who are just fascinated by the royals will post things that they see in the news. And so sometimes there are things that I miss because I'm not looking for that specifically. Um, and then finally, like Twitter is another place that I always check um, because, again, sometimes people are tweeting um, the Kensington Palace, which is where William and Kate live and also Harry. Um, they tweet on behalf of those three. Um, they often will tweet things about their whereabouts and what they're doing and any news and announcements that they have officially. Um, and uh, all the other members of the royal family have their own sort of press and PR arm that we can pay attention to and watch. Um, so I just do a lot of sort of scanning of the news and trying to immerse myself in this world that I was previously unfamiliar with. Um, and it's been really fascinating because people are very into it. So yeah, no, I, I can't help yeah. but wonder because um, uh, would you say that you tell this that you tell the story is kind of like a news story or like a story, like the story of the lives, you know? Yeah, so we um, we sort of investigate the news uh, or I guess it, mm, we more comment on the news. The hosts will um, pick apart something that's happened and give their own opinions and their own perspective on it. Um, and we also then focus in on something very specific in related to the royal couple and the wedding. So we've had a royal jewels expert. We've had um, someone who has not yet aired yet, but she is a historian of the royal family and she Ooh. yeah it's really fascinating and so she she talked to us about the history of actresses in the royal family and how actresses have sort of been part of um, relationships with royals since the 1600s and how that has sort of signified social progress um, through time and so there are lots of different ways that we've looked at it it's it's less of like telling the full story of their relationship because you know, that's that's personal to them. But we can we can look at the news and we can look at specific aspects of the royals and of um, their relationship and make predictions about what we think is going to happen, because we also do that. Um, uh, yep. Yeah. Way to make a cliffhanger <laughs> every single time. Yeah, no, I, I'd listen to that. Oh, yeah. That sounds good to me. Yeah, and on the on the wedding day, we're putting together a bingo board slash drinking game so that when, for us on the East Coast, we're watching the wedding at 6 a.m., um, we can drink <laughs> along whenever um, our predictions come true. Uh, probably not advisable, but that's I mean, what we're doing. On, if it's on a Saturday, who cares? Exactly, and it is on a Saturday. There you go. Right? It's a wedding. It's supposed to be, right? <laughs> 
Though the royals often get married on weekdays and it becomes a bank holiday. So a lot of Brits were mad that they're getting married on a Saturday because they don't get an extra day off of work. <laughs> Such a burden. Such a burden. One more day of work. Oh my God. <laughs> no, that does sound cool though. I, I, I honestly, I love predictions. Not going to lie. Cause I'm a huge fan of the Halo series. All the listeners know that. So it's, it's, it's not uncommon for me to frequent any YouTube channel that makes a prediction for the next game or book or, and I'm just like, please let one that, please let that one be true. Or I, I swear to God, if that does happen, I quit. I'm not doing the series anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the prediction part. Oh yeah. I'd be all about that. Yeah. So I suppose uh, since it looks like we're in the final 10 minutes, I'm actually just going to cut to um, the group questions because uh, everyone has been asked to, which took 50 minutes. Impressive, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Long-winded. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're, we're professionals. We know how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, also, you've, you've made the, the rookie mistake of asking us about our favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> I have Can't made the rookie expound. success move. The less that I have there. to talk, the better. <laughs> no one wants to listen to me. Everyone listens to me every week. More of the guests. <laughs> so anyway, let's see. So group question. So uh, it looks like you guys have already actually answered that one. And <laughs> so you work uh, at other places in the media industry before. Um, what made you want to come work for Panoply? Well, I feel like I kind of covered that one, Sam. Uh, well, for me, I was really excited about coming to Panoply because it was an opportunity to, I felt like it would be an opportunity to not just work on really exciting existing shows, but have an opportunity to participate in the creation of new ones. Um, that was super appealing to me. Prior to that, I was working at a public radio show that's been around for almost 20 years if it hasn't been 20 years. And it's a wonderful show that I think is a national treasure, but that show has its format. It's not going to be deviating from that format, nor should it. Um, and it was really, really valuable for me. It's almost like a boot camp experience to <clears throat> learn how to do <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, should... <laughs> I shouldn't just throw the phrase boot camp around. Um, oh, no, you just... it was... I'm just counting my lucky stars. It's... I'm literally done in four weeks and I'm out of the army. Oh my gosh! Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, six congr years. Congratulations. Yeah, man. And also, thank you for your service. I've never done anything that hard in my life. <laughs> um, it's, it's more annoying than anything else, believe it or not. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I guess the the thing for me was that you know working on that show was was really great, but um, I was excited to transition into a place where there would be the opportunity to build new things from the ground up that would might be able to become as vital as the show that I was working on has become. Um, and I have felt really fortunate uh, that in my time here, I've, I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, Bad With Money is a show that I pitched to the editorial team here um, not too long after I started. And I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to collaborate with Gabby Dunn, the host of that show. And and build it into something that now has, you know, a legion of loyal fans and who are really excited about the third season coming out um, and the opportunity to uh, start Family Ghosts, my own show. Um, I mean, that's it's literally a dream come true. So um, I, Panoply is a, a real hub for 
creativity and for play, for people to try out things with their creative voices that they haven't had the space to do elsewhere. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. I'd like to reflect on something real quick, just so listeners don't get the wrong idea. It's, it's, it's gotten to the point, you know, like I, I joined the military when I was 17. I went to boot camp when I was, um, well, 17, between my junior and senior year of high school through something they called the split option program. And um, it was cool as hell. I showed a prom in a dress blue and a Humvee. Coolest thing I've ever done. But um, as time goes on, much like you said, it's like, you know, I found myself in, you know, in sales. And uh, my girlfriend's mom told me to try to look into doing voiceovers. So I studied the industry and, you know, how how value exceeds price in anything that you do or anything you try to buy and sell. And I learned that I really, really thoroughly enjoyed the concept of, you know, being paid on the the quality of work rather than the quantity of the time you spend doing it. So between selling cars, which is an effective use of time if you're having a good month, versus, um, you know, and voiceovers as well, versus, you know, getting paid in four-hour blocks with the military and spreading yourself awfully thin, it, it's, it just became time to make some choices. So before my listeners get the, the wrong idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so next up, and thank you. Thank you for reflecting on that because I, I remember when I got my first $5 voiceover job on Fiverr, I was, jumping uh-huh. for, I was jumping for joy. I sprinted down my stairs saying, I just got hired to do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an, it's an extraordinary feeling. It's an extraordinary feeling. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think what you, what you touched on with your military experience is that no matter how much excitement and passion you have for something, when you start doing it, um, that can fade and, or change as you evolve and you start wanting to channel it into, into other things. Um, and matured to the point. Uh, Oh, you still there? I thought I lost you for a second. Just cut out a little bit. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, I feel really lucky that the, the podcast industry had matured to the point and, and panoply happened to be coming into its own at a time when, when that moment was, um, was happening for me. And I think, you know, the, the shared lesson there is, um, I heard somebody say once that you have to jump before you're pushed. And, uh, I, I feel like that's a good lesson, no matter what, what you're, uh, jumping from and to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, at least if you jump, you're prepared that you jumped. I chose to do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have agency in this plummet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is purpose in this descent. <laughs> but Lindsay, what about uh what about you? What was what was appealing for you? Um well, I think I joined Panoply in a kind of unique way that other producers didn't. Um well, I guess maybe AC joined for a specific show, but I was hired to work on one show and one show alone, and that was a show that I had been a fan of and really loved listening to before um I came to work here, and that was why why it was previously on a radio station here um in the area called WFMU and um, it was just a really fascinating way of telling stories, and I just wanted to learn how that all came to be and how it worked. And um, 
I had previously worked with Panoply as a partner show, and I really just valued the feedback that they gave in that capacity. And I really liked working with all the people that I had worked with, um, even just sort of as an outsider. And so it seemed exciting to me to be able to be on the inside and to be able to see how the shows get made here. And um, just being able to work in podcasts full time, I had been doing it part time and getting paid not very much, but um, getting a lot of practice from a, uh, another magazine. And I, yeah, I just wanted to be able to explore more and um, do more hands-on work full-time. And so Panoply was sort of the, the, at the right place at the right time with the right opportunity. And I feel really lucky that they let me in. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I know that feeling. Because honestly, like, it's funny because like this doesn't have anything to do with being a podcast show host, but um, me working at the car dealership, those guys pulled me out of a third shift manufacturing position. Hmm. And I remember just breathing a sigh of relief like, are you kidding me? I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's face it, like sales is an invaluable experience. You can apply that to literally anything. And um, really? selling yourself as a voiceover or, or selling your podcast or selling yourself for the podcast will what have you literally everything in life is bought and sold to some extent either monetary yeah. or not and um the, the invaluable experience just being pulled out it was a gift honestly a gift and uh i remember that as well just in case the listeners didn't know that i actually really enjoy my job <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so i just want to say uh thank you guys thank you guys so much and um I know that there's a credit that you want to extend to the, the um, to a particular someone who owns the show. If you want to say them real quick, I remember that. Well, uh, I mean, I would say we definitely want to thank Nicole Bunces who uh, put us in touch with you guys. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the one. And she she gave us the opportunity to sit down here and talk about our work, and that's always really really cool for us. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah, there yeah. you go give the credit where credit is due but yeah um so that that concludes today's episode that reaches the hour mark i can't believe that went by so fast oh my god um <laughs> but yeah it helps uh, when there's three of us <laughs> it does yeah yeah absolutely not to mention i've been looking at myself the entire time while listening to all three it's been interesting <laughs> <laughs> love it love it but yeah um once again, thank you guys so much, and I, I wish to maintain some form of contact with you guys because I feel like uh, your experience and um, could be absolutely invaluable along with your personalities. Just professional relationship. For sure. For to to take up AC's point from before, please stay in touch, and if you ever want to talk about any part of doing this, um, I think I speak for all three of us when I I hope I speak for all three of us when I say that uh, <laughs> we'd be thrilled to to talk to you about any part of it. Uh, that you want to. I totally. appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. Um, and thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your time. Seriously, I mean, you guys you guys are probably busy as hell, and we're just the little guys, so I really appreciate that. No, no problem. All right, well, that concludes today's show. Thank you, everybody. This has been Sam, AC, and Lindsay from Panoply. And thank you very much. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crafty. The show is hosted by me, 
Nick Dole, and produced by Eric Lambiassi. We strive to share the experiences of amazing people that we might know and definitely love. Listen again in two weeks and stay crafty.